Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Welcome everyone joining us online. Welcome to City of Life Church. A bunch of people in love with Jesus today, trying to continue to be more like Him in everything we do. Diverse community of people from all over the world, all over the place, doesn't look like each other, don't dress like each other, but we got something in common. It's a person. His name is Jesus. He's our Redeemer. He has set us free from our past. The Bible says it's pushed us into the, His marvelous light, and I'm excited about living in the light today. Um, you may have walked through these doors. You've never been here with us before. And uh, you may say, well, I don't have it all figured out. Join the club. We don't have it all figured out either, but we got the most important thing figured out, and that's Jesus. That's what binds us together. And so I welcome you here today. Uh, we're in a series called uh, Out of the Comfort Zone. And when you're looking up on the stage, you're seeing this kind of lazy boy chair here and this treadmill, and you say, well, what, what is this? Well, I'd encourage you to go back and watch uh, the last two weeks, I, I've been talking a little bit about how we try to spend most of our lives never being uncomfortable. We, we customize everything to our preferences. If we're not careful, even our relationship with God or church can become this, uh, you know, customizable playlist where we, it's, it's like the genius list on our, on our Apple music where it doesn't even ever give us any music that is outside of what we're comfortable with. So we can't grow musically if we only stick with the limited things we like. But if sometimes you ever been around someone that says, Hey, let me play you a song. And you say, they, you say, well, I don't like country music. They say, well, it is country, but it's a little bit different. And maybe you never heard it before. And they play it for you. You go, actually, I do kind of like that. Well, what, what is that doing? It's stretching you, getting you outside of your comfort zone. Or you say, well, I don't like that kind of food. I've never eaten that kind of food before. And, and you say, uh, oh, what's it called? And someone says, but pastor, let me give you this. You're going to like it. I know you're from Alabama, pastor. Well, let me give you this. What's it called? Acapuria. 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 Ah, amen. I like Acapulco. That's some good stuff right there. See, if I if I had that mentality, if I said, "Look, I'm from Alabama. I never heard of no Acapulco," I wouldn't know the power. Uh, or, or uh, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me think of some more real quick. Don't don't tell me. Don't tell me. Um, oh, what's that one I like? Uh, hold hold on, hold on. Oh, pastelon. Can you imagine if this boy had never tried no pastelon? How how I'll be feeling? But, what, but once you get out of your comfort zone and you get over there and you get uncomfortable for a minute, we had some fr- dinner with some amazing friends the other night. Uh, the husband, he's from, from Haiti. Wife, I think she's from Michigan or something. Uh, and, and man, he was, he was making this Haitian food in there and just whipping it up. And I never had that particular dish before, but and my kid, you ever had that conversation with your kids? Now, kids, we're going over to someone's house for dinner. Whatever they put on that table, you will eat it. They're like, Dad, be quiet. You eat it all. They never had no Haitian food before. I'm going to tell you something. My kids were piling on the, the seconds and thirds. They didn't have to add. It was amazing. And what happened? You get outside. Are, are you here today? You get outside your comfort zone. You get outside your comfort Spiritually, you get outside your comfort zone. You start doing things you've never done before. Church is not supposed to be some customizable thing where if everything is not perfect the way you like it, you go somewhere else. It's a family. 
It's a body. God puts people there the way he wishes. And we're not perfect. City of Life is not perfect. I'm not perfect. But what we're doing, we're growing together in the things of God to go where he's called us to go. That's what Out of the Comfort Zone is about. Last week, if you want to know what it's about, go check it out. I want to get into what this week is about. Uh, So this week, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 25 through 38. Last week was called Hard to Live. This week is called Hard to Give. Uh, And Acts 20 says this, In everything I did, this is Paul speaking, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept and they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now, this is very dramatic, right? People weeping, crying, Paul kneeling down, praying with people. He said he's never going to see these people again. Who is this? He's talking to the people at the church of Ephesus where he's just spent years of his life investing in relationships. And now God is calling him to go to Jerusalem where he knows he's going to die. So he's saying the last thing he will ever say to these people, which is generally the most important thing you will ever say to someone is the last thing you say to them. So my message today is called Hard to Give in our series Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm going to pray. Father, Bless this message. Bless each person listening, people that are watching online. Uh, Let the power of the Holy Spirit make these words come to life. I can't say the kinds of things that change lives. Only you can do that, God. Uh, So use your word today to cause us to grow and to have passion and joy and excitement in our heart about what could lie in front of us if we just trusted you. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So my dad always told me, that the last thing that someone says to you when they ask you to lunch is the most important thing. Uh, so it doesn't matter how it starts. They say, oh, I just want to let you know everything's going great. You know, tell me about this. Tell me about that. They, they can ask all kinds of things like that. But at the end, they go, I need to borrow $40,000 cash right now. It's like the last thing they say. That, that's the thing that they were waiting for. So I'm, I, that's the way I think. Same way when it comes to if you're saying goodbye. Has anyone in this room ever said goodbye to someone that is very important to you? Raise your hand if you've ever said goodbye. You can remember those those are some sad moments saying goodbye, but you normally say what's in your heart at the end, you know, when when you're telling someone goodbye. I think I was, as I was thinking of an example that when I was putting all this stuff together, I thought about probably the most intense, dramatic goodbye I've ever had was when my wife Amy uh, went to the Philippines in Bible school in 1999. I had to tell her goodbye. I had dated her for years, uh, and God spoke to her that she was supposed to go overseas go to this Bible school uh, where she was able to do missions, help people, learn about the Lord. That's tough for me to say goodbye because God did not speak to my heart to go over there. So uh, she was leaving. And I remember we were at the airport and it was like a movie. And, you know, they're calling the names of everyone and she has stayed behind. And, uh, you know, I'm looking into her eyes. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to say everything exactly the right way. So what did I do? And for those of you that don't know me, maybe you're new to the church, but I was, you know, a recording artist, music producer, singer for years. I, I express myself pretty well through music. So she has her, remember those Sony Walkman for, for those people that are ancient around here? She had a CD player. So in my pocket, I said, Aim, I can't really say everything I want to say right now. I said, but I wrote you a song and it's on this CD. And once the, once the wheels take off and you're in the air, I want you to put this song in 
and press play and it will be able to say everything I can't say. So I wrote a song just for her, not to be played for anybody else. It was a song called Someone Like You. And the chorus of the song says, I never met someone like you. No one can move my heart the way you do. There ain't no ocean that can keep me from you. I never met someone like you. So, Y'all didn't know your pastor had game, did you? That's, what, that's what's up. That's what's up. Anyways, so, <laughs> yeah, she, she came back. But, 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 when, but when she, <laughs> that's a good point. I like that. Yeah, she came back. I never thought about that. It worked. <laughs> but when she, when she, get, you know, she told me about, you know, I got in the air and I listened to the song and, and I cried and I was able to convey my, my, my feelings uh, the right way, but I saved probably some of the deepest things I had to say for that song. Why? It was the last thing I got. Now, thank God she came back and I bought a house and said, marry me. And we got married and everything is working out pretty well so far. Uh, but but the, the, the story is tr to try to tell you, I said the most important thing I could say, some of those lyrics were not for, you know, the radio. It was just about our story. You know, about, I, there was times in my life I needed to go do, find things and she was there for me. Now you're out there trying to go do some things that you feel like God has for you and I got to be there for you. That's what the, the story of the song was about, was just customized just for, for us. But Paul, after building these relationships with these people that he cares about deeply, the last thing that he says to them is this. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the last thing he says to these people that he loves and he has built his life with. The last thing he says is he's quoting Jesus. He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. If that's the last thing Paul said to those people, I think that's a pretty important message. Yeah. Giving is more powerful than receiving. Yeah. Giving is more powerful than receiving. This is receiving. This is giving. Okay, it, Most of us think, I can't wait until I receive this. I can't wait till I receive that. But what Paul was saying is there is a power in giving that once you start doing it, and once you start working, and once you start giving yourself away, you're going to find the joy in it. Many of us are miserable. Why? Because we've set our whole lives up to receive. And when you receive and you receive and you receive, you miss out on the benefit of what life could look like if you just got the revelation of giving. Yeah. And now what I'm going to say is probably going to make you uncomfortable, but it's called out of the comfort zone. Uh, the, why don't we give more? Not just financially, but why don't we give of ourselves more? Let's, let's analyze that for a second. What, what, it, what is it about that that keeps us from helping people? What, what, I'm not just talking about the practical side. Like if somebody says, oh, I just had a flat tire and I can't afford to pay for it. It, it costs $100 and you've got $200 in your pocket. What keeps us from helping? Most, mostly we think, oh, well, I've got you know, dinner plans for this and my, you know, I got a $100 payment coming up myself. I just can't afford it. And we could help if we want to. We could figure out a way to work things out. We could be generous when God tugs on our heart to do it. Most of the times we could, but we don't. What is it? Let's philosophically, let's, let's trace that down to our hearts and figure out where that's coming from. How about this? I've got a submission for you. 
How about that giving represents giving away not just money or time, but control. It represents giving power away. When we give our money, we're giving power away. We have earned, we have traded our time at our job or whatever we're paid for. That time turns into money. So that time is powerful. It's, it, it represents our essence, who we are. They give us money for our time. And when we have that time, it represents control to do the things that we want to do. So when we give our money away, we're giving control away. That's why we want to keep our money. That's why we want to keep our, our time. When people say, I mean, like, I love this thing we do here at City of Life. We do it, you know, pretty regularly now. And we're going to start doing it with more regular, regularity. It's called I Love My City. It's a day we go out and just love the community. We do all these amazing projects all over the place for people. What's beautiful about that day is hundreds of people from the church are standing there with their I Love My City shirts on. Some of them are CEOs. Some of them own their, their medical doctors that own their own practices in town. Some of them don't have a home and don't, and, and don't have a house. And are you know God is just you know, rescuing them from addiction and, and, and brokenness and all these. They just came to Jesus. Some of them are, don't have much money. And they you know, do all kinds of jobs, but they're working right next to each other for a cause. What have they learned? The power of generosity. The power of what Paul is talking about, giving yourself away. It's not about your status. It's about your heart. God, the Bible says in 2 Samuel verse six, chapter 16, verse 7, it says, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. He sees our heart. I want to make you uncomfortable today. I want to shake you up a little bit about this idea because it's hard to give. I want to get uncomfortable. Proverbs eleven twenty four says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Is your world getting larger? If it's not, make yourself uncomfortable and ask why. Why is my world shrinking? Why does why when I get money in my pocket, does it seem like there's a hole in my pocket? Can anyone relate to that? I know that, I mean, I've told you this story. It's a true story. When I was very young, I was a recording artist. I, I mean, early 90s, I mean, I was, I was like 19, 20 years old. I'm making like $85,000, $90,000 a year just, just on music royalties and stuff. I had all this money, and I'm living out in Dallas, and, and I just broke I could not keep money in my pocket. I thought if I ever could just get a certain amount of money that I would always have money. I just got news for you. If you don't learn how to honor God now and manage your money and time wisely, if you didn't have money with $10,000 a year, you won't have money with $10 million a year. You'll blow it off. You'll blow everything. If you, don't, if you don't establish the principles now, my dad, I called him. I said, Dad, can I borrow some money? He goes, What? He's like, are you crazy? I said, yeah, I, I, I don't have it. He's, he's like, are you tithing? I was like, well, dad, yeah, I mean, I, I give some stuff. And he's like, son, he's like, did I raise you that way? He's like, you, you better get faithful in your church. Because I had a pastor out there, my case, Covenant Church, my pastor. And I, I, honestly, I did not even go to church the, the right amount of times. I, I would go when I felt like it. I wasn't showing discipline in my life. So the moment my dad challenged me, I said, even though I'm not at my church at home, there's all kind of excuses why people don't go to church, why people don't tithe, why they don't give, why we're not generous. But at the end of the day, I was making it about me. 
I wanted to go when I felt like it. I wanted to give what I wanted to give when I wanted to give when I felt like it. But the moment I got challenged to be faithful to God, I have never had want since then. God has blessed me. He has blessed me in every possible way. He has taken care of me. I've gone up and down and all kind of stuff. But the one thing that is consistent through it all is God's favor has been on my life. Once I made a decision, I'm just going to draw a line in my, in my life. we got to get uncomfortable. If your world is shrinking and it's not getting larger, maybe it's because you're not generous. So the question is, why aren't you generous? Because we understand generosity is a powerful trait. We all want to be generous. But what, what lies underneath it? What makes us generous? Well, rather than answering the question of what makes us generous... Let's first answer the question of what makes us, makes us stingy. Yeah. What makes us stingy? And the answer to that is when we leave out God and we leave out others. Yeah. Okay, when it, we're, we're left with what? Me. We're, we're the, I'm the only one left. If I leave out God and I leave out others, I'm stingy. I'm not giving to God. I'm not giving to others. I'm making my life about me. And, I'm, and that's self-centeredness. That means that my re- world revolves around me. Where would that come from? That, that sounds like the C.S. Lewis's definition of pride, the ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration upon the self. That's what pride is. It's self-centeredness. So if I'm shaking you up and I'm shaking me up and I'm asking myself, why am I not more generous? Maybe pride, maybe I've built my world around me, what I'm comfortable with, rather than building my whole world around God and others, I built it around the wrong thing. So I'm not wanting to give my time, my talent and my treasures to to others. I'm not wanting to listen to Paul's advice that this is about work. It's about sowing seed. It's about, you know, giving is so much better than receiving. I'm not living that kind of life because I'm too obsessed with myself. I want my world to get larger. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you something. If, if you're not generous, let God get a hold of your heart and remember what he did for you. That's the only thing that can humble you. And we give out of a response to the feeling of humility, to the state of being humbled. That causes us to want to give. I love the story in Luke 19 where Jesus goes to Jericho. He's really on the way to the cross. And he, he, he's preaching. And this guy named Zacchaeus, who is a crook, uh, he's a tax collector. He, he, he bribes people. He, uh, he threatens people. He steals people's money. He's, they owe the government this amount. He'll add on additional percentages and take it for himself. They were the lowest of the low, hated in society. But he was interested in what Jesus was doing. So this dude hides in a tree. It's actually a short dude. Uh, like... Danny DeVito or something. So he was like hiding up in this tree. And he, I, I always imagine him looking like, you know, like Danny DeVito, you know. And so he's up there in the tree listening for Jesus. And, Je- and Jesus sees him and he's like, Zacchaeus, come down from there. He says, I'm going to come to your house today. And what happens? Everyone that listens. So, so Zacchaeus is all a screwed up guy, but he wants to know about Jesus. I think there's a lot of people that are screwed up people. But maybe when we start talking about the power of God and how God can transform us. Maybe we're just a little interested in, like, what is this all about? You know, so I like that about the story. But Jesus doesn't ask him to raise his hand. He doesn't do anything. He just says, hey, dude, I'm coming to your house today. And all, everyone starts talking. They're like, ooh, Jesus is going to a sinner's house. I like, I like this story because Jesus doesn't say, Zacchaeus, do you repent of your sins? He doesn't do anything like that. He literally just says, I'm coming to your house today. Sometimes just knowing that someone recognizes you. 
Just knowing that someone sees something valuable in you, wants to connect with you, knowing that God loves you or just sees who you are and wants to be with you, that alone. It says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Wow. Look at, look at the generosity that wells up in Zacchaeus simply because God has just spoken his name. It's a humility. It humbles him. And he says, I don't want to take. I want to give. And Jesus basically says, hey, that salvation has come to your house. He's like, that's the sign that this is real is you're wanting to be generous. You're wanting to give. I love that so much. He humbled himself because of Jesus. He got the revelation that Paul was talking about that is more blessed to give than to receive. He realized it's not about me. Somebody say, it's not about me. Look at the person next to you and point at him and say, it's not about me either. <laughs> you thought I was going to say you. It's not about me either. <laughs> Jesus in John 18, I love this. You know, can I tell you something funny? When I was studying in my head, I said, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. I've been reading the word Pilates lately, but it's like it just shows, thank God I didn't say that uh, here. But you, you're a king then, said Pilate. Uh, Jesus answered, you, you say that I'm a king. Yeah, then they started doing leg lifts and, and, and all these different things. No, I'm joking. What, what am I doing right now? Uh, you're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, for this cause I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. So what Jesus told Pilate there is, I was born for a cause. I live for a cause. I want to make sure that every day as I'm living this life for God and giving of myself and everything I do, I want to make sure it's for a cause, and that cause is to make the hope of Jesus known in everything I do. Did you know that the word because means by cause? I wanna live my life because of Jesus. I wanna live my life by cause of Jesus. I don't wanna just get up aimlessly. I wanna stay out of that chair on a regular basis, so I wanna give of my time. Don't you hate when you talk to someone and they're just, they seem so busy? Don't you hate that? Come on, be honest. Does, don't, don't you hate when they, Like, I know someone for a fact that is not as busy as me. But every time I talk to them, they make me feel like they're a billion times more busy than I am. You ever have the busy competition with people? What are you doing? Oh, if you only knew. But I know for sure this person can never. And I mean, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm busy too, but... I don't ever want to have a busy attitude. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to have a, when my kids come to talk to me, I don't care what I'm doing, how important it is. I want to make sure that I make time in my life for my kids. Why? I think my parents modeled that very well for me. Uh, I have a father who answers the phone every single time. Dad is watching online. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Gary. Happy birthday to 74 years old, and we love you, Pastor Gary. You are the man. Woo! Love you, man. Oh, man. 
I just remembered you're watching online today. You are the best. You're about to make me cry talking about you. I'm pointing right at the camera there. There's nobody like you. What a gift you are to, to me, to the body of Christ, to the world. You have sown your life for wonderful things, and you're seeing beautiful results of it all around you here today. So happy birthday to you, Dad. But Dad, when I was a kid, he hired me as a you know, 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid. My first job was being the groundskeeper of the church. I am the worst ground. I, you have no idea. I can't do anything like that. It's like, he, he, it's insane. He, like, he would hire me and he would say, okay, son, I want you to take this weed eater and, and get all the weeds off the side here and I want you to put mulch around the building. So I'm like 15. And so I didn't know anything. So all I knew is that he bought me gloves that didn't match my shoes. It's like, I, I'm like, what are these gloves? Like, who pick these. I'm like, did, were they, did they know what I'm wearing here? This is not working. So I'm, I'm like, it's, it's, a, it's a really frustrating moment. So like I'm out there and I'm doing everything and I'm like, wow, it's so hot. And you know, I'm, I'm doing a little section. I do this little section and I walk, you know, in, into my, I knock on my dad's door to his office. He's in a, an executive meeting, like with the board and everyone's got suits on. And he said, we will take new ground and we will. And he's just like, and I'm, I'm like, dad, and he goes, Hey darling, how you doing? You know, he just stopped right in the middle of what, what he's doing. He's like, what, what's going on? I was like, can I show you something? He's like, guys, hold on for one second. And he would come out. I'm mean, just leave these guys sitting there. And he would come out and, I'd go, and he'd go, what's going on? You okay? I'd be like, let me show you what I did. And I was like, see all this right here? And I would show him like an area like this big. I was like, I, was like, I did that. He's like, well, that's good, baby. Uh, <clears throat> All right, now do the whole church. Do the whole, do every part of it. He's like, that, that right there is, is real good. And then remember, do the mulch too, because I told you to do that and the mulch. And the set. That's the kind of dad I had, though, somebody that, was, that made time for me. He, didn't, he made time he didn't have so that, so that he could be with me. So I want to make sure that the generosity that has been shown to me, I feel like he was modeling to me the way God is, is supposed to be toward me, the way, or the way I'm supposed to recognize how God is towards me. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be that way toward others. You may be busy. We've got a lot of successful people in this room. I know, I know them. I know there's inc incredible business owners, brilliant, ingenious people that are in this room that have lots of employees, do all kinds of great things. That's fantastic. Never have a busy attitude. Make sure that you're never so busy that you cannot give your time to God and to others when they need it. One of the ways that we can work on that, can I encourage you with something that's going to hurt a little bit today? Can I encourage you with something that's going to hurt a little bit today or do I have to come in the middle of these rows and start getting in your face? Hold on. This might hurt. But here's a way we, that culturally as a church that we can know that we're in the same mindset. Here's a way you can manage your time. Never be on your phone when someone is talking to you in person. Just make a decision in your life that if someone is, if, if your kids are talking to you or your spouse is talking to you or anyone, I don't, it doesn't matter what's going on. Now, what you could do is if something really important happened, you could say, please excuse me for one second. I am so sorry. You can deal with business in a business way, but make sure when you're done, put it away, look in their eyes and say, I'm here for you. What did you, what did you want to say? And let them continue. That's one way. Cause you have to ask yourself, do you think Jesus would do that to you? Do you think Jesus, if he was listening, if you said, Jesus, I am, 
I need to talk to you about something. My heart is broken. He's going, hold on, there's something going on in Syria right now. Okay, let me deal with that. Hold on, there's something in Arkansas. Okay, that's going on. Uh, they need some dentistry over there. Uh, there's something going on here. That's a joke about Arkansas and bad teeth, but you kind of flew over your head. That's all right. I'm from the South. I'm allowed to do that. So anyways, do you think Jesus would constantly... <laughs> we went from Arkansas here today. We're out of the woods, okay? We're, we're good. We're, we're clear. We're clear. All right, so... I didn't think so. So Jesus wouldn't be continuing to go back and forth. He would give you his time, right? Say time, talent, treasure. Say time, talent, treasure. Those are all things that we give, and it's hard to give. Okay, so our time is very important. Make time for your family. Make time for people. Make time for volunteering. Did you know that volunteering being a part of our dream team, jumping on our dream team. You may look up here and go, man, they got great singers, great worship, great you know, they got cameras. They got all the stuff figured out. They don't need me. That's nuts. Of course we need you. We're trying to build something to reach the world for Jesus. We need singers. We need musicians. We need cameramen. We need mixers. We need people that write movies. We're starting a, you know, a, a studio that we're going to make move, more movies that are going to reach the world and TV shows that are going to reach the world. We need people to be involved in those things. So... We need time. We need talent. We need people that will jump out there and, and, and give of, of what they're good at. And, and, and God also is looking at your treasure. How do you manage the treasure that he's given you? And I've got this example here today that I want to use about tithe. It's just an example that shows how difficult it is for us to just give a little bit. Just a, just a 10% idea. So just I, I rarely ever talk on tithing, our team and our elders and our pastors on a weekly basis. Can we give it up for them the way they talk on a weekly basis? They come with something fresh and powerful. I appreciate them so much, and it's always honest and real from the heart. They, they, they really study and pray over those things to encourage people to un unleash the power of generosity, to break the grip of materialism on our lives. That's what happens when we don't give. We're, we're consumed with materialism. But I don't talk, get to talk about this a lot. But in this particular analogy, when it comes to the tithe, look how difficult it is for us to just give 10% or, or to share 10%. We're supposed to be stewards, okay? We're not the owner of the house. What is a steward? A steward is a person who has been put in charge of the affairs of the house, the finances of the house. They're supposed to manage it for the person that does own it, okay? So this is going to be tough for you to say, but put your hand on your heart and say, it's not my money. Come on, somebody say, it's God's money. That, so, so first of all, you got to believe that. God says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Your boss doesn't pay your check. God pays your check. God puts the food on your table. You don't earn the money. You're faithful over the talents God has given you, but it's not earning. It's just God is blessing you and favoring you for your faithfulness. Okay, so he's the one that provides it. The provision comes from him. So this tithe... It's tough for us to give because you got that. You're like, you have to make do with the other 90% and that, and it's tough. But tithing is a biblical principle. Now here's where we get backwards is when you start talking about giving people like, oh, the church just wants money and they're just trying to figure out a way to brainwash everyone. Can you just chill out for one second? Give me an opportunity to just talk. My gosh, you're interrupting me in your brain already. It's like, it's like a quiet down. Okay, Genesis chapter 14 is a story of Abraham that he wins a battle and the priest, 
that is before the law was even established, the priest Melchizedek says, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. He says, And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. So the priest blesses him. And it says, And Abram, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. He tithed to the priest, to the man of God, to the house of God. However you want to say it, he tithed and gave a tenth. So we see that before the implementation of the law, where God required Israel to give a tenth, which he did, before that ever happened, the tithe showed that it is a natural response to God's faithfulness. That when God is faithful to you, that you should give something that represents about a tenth. That's what it's showing. Then we see Malachi 3.8, after the law was already established, God says, will a man rob God? He says, yet you do rob me. And you ask, how are we robbing you? And he answers, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. You're the whole nation because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you can't contain it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop off the fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So we see tithing before the law. We see tithing during the law. And now I'm going to show you in Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. So even after the law, Jesus came and in himself fulfilled everything the law had to offer. But he says to the Pharisees, woe to you because you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. He said you should have kept doing the first thing while still doing the rest of the things that I just mentioned. So he's saying, keep tithing. Tithing is important. So this is after, this is post-law, the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is saying, keep tithing. That should be your natural response to God, but don't forget to do other important things like justice, mercy, grace, kindness, all these things. So my point is this, tithing is a principle that shows us that when our heart is right toward God, we should naturally be giving. Giving It shows us an area. I like the idea of 10% because it means no matter who you are, if you're poor or if you're rich, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. It means everybody gives the same percentage. I love that. But here is a principle to show you that we, when, we, when we don't give, we shouldn't go, well, it, it's not the law, so I'm not giving. That's, that's, that's a terrible mentality. I want to give you an idea that, that I feel like the Lord gave me. I never heard this before, but I, I just came up with this little story. Imagine if you took your family out to a dinner. Incredible dinner. You're celebrating something huge. Great, classy, nice restaurant. Bunch of people there. And this server, let's say she's a single mom, hardworking lady, so prepared, comes up, hey guys, welcome here today. Um, welcome to your restaurant. There's a couple of specials that are off the menu tonight. We've got uh, grilled Atlantic swordfish and we've got a really nice uh, side. And she just goes through the whole thing and it's just amazing. She gets everyone's drink or she remembers everything. She doesn't even have to write anything down. Goes, gets it, brings everything out. The food is on time. The apps are out on time. Uh, you just finished your last sip of Diet Coke, which is really important. As it's going up the straw and before it even gets in your mouth, boom. What ha what's in front of you, a brand new fresh one. She, you don't even need to ask her anything. It's just perfect service. Everything is great. You don't have anything to worry about. Just focus on what's happening at the table. At the end of the meal, the check comes. 
it's a big check. You got it. You went to a nice restaurant, took a big team. You, the check is $300. It's a huge check. And your son is sitting next to you and you open the check and you look and it's got the top, the 300. And then it says tip. And down at the bottom, it says total. It says amount, tip, total. And on the tip section, you write zero. And down at the bottom, you write $300 and you sign it. And your son says, dad, why did you write zero in the tip area? And you say, it's not the law that I give. I don't have to give according to the law. I don't have to give a tip. And he goes, oh, really? Is that, is that what I should do? Yeah, you, you don't ever have to tip. You don't have to, because it, you won't go to jail. If you don't tip, you're not going to go to jail. It's not law. See? The, the principle, the principle is how could you ever treat someone that blessed you so much with so much disregard? How could you ever fail to acknowledge it should be a natural thing to want to bless someone who has blessed you? And when it comes to tithing, tithing is, I don't, I mean, as a matter of fact, it's not just me. Second Corinthians says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So it's saying don't, don't ever give because someone's going, we get 10%, you better give 10%. No, don't, don't let someone manipulate you or twist your arm into giving. Anything, whether it's a, as a volunteer or anything, never be manipulated into doing things. Do, because why? Because you won't get anything out of it. God won't get anything out of it. You might as well not do it rather than do it with the wrong spirit. It says, give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. That means if you're showing up for I love my city, don't show up and everyone says, hey, how you doing? You go, I'm tired, I worked three shifts yesterday. I shouldn't even be here right now. Don't come in. I mean, the bottom line is, it's saying God loves a cheerful giver because you're giving of your time there. You're giving of your talent. If you're showing up to play music, don't, don't have that same story. You know, I shouldn't even be here. Don't come. Actually, do come or, or you guys are in trouble. You guys are all in trouble. <laughs> it says, give what's in your heart what you predetermined because God loves a cheerful giver. He is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Look what he's saying. He's saying that when you start living that generous life of giving, I'm the one who gives you provision in everything you do. You won't have to worry about your money. You won't have to worry about your time, your talent. When you're giving, giving, and giving, the Bible says that he is the one. Listen, it says in verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion as through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's saying that the more generous you are, the more seed he will give to you. And then the more seed you will sow, the more he will give to you. So. I love John Sierra, great team member that we have here. He made this, and look, if you see this, this fits together perfectly. And when you look at that tithe, it just seems like that it's something that you cannot live without. And that's the thing, that's the thing about our lives is when we start looking at our finances, this, this limited thing, then we start looking at God as a limited God. But when we start viewing God as the one who supplies the seed, 
He is the supplier. Can I get an amen? He is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Oh, got it backwards. Upside down. There we go. Now remember my spatial intelligence. He is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I don't know how it works. I don't know how he does it when we give. But somehow he makes everything in our lives fit together. But we don't need anything. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I know that when we're faithful to God, he makes a way. And you know what we do? We go, praise God, it's time for the next cycle. And then we take out that generosity, we take out that giving, but God makes it all fit back in the right place again. So don't worry, don't have a limited view of, of God's storehouse. He supplies the seed, he makes the seed, he supplies it, you give, you give, you get that message that Paul gave those people as he said the last thing he was ever gonna say to them. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's not easy, but it's just more blessed. Somebody say, I'm a giver, not a taker, in Jesus' name, amen. Could we bow our heads and close our eyes? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to know him. He is God's plan of salvation who Jesus is. He came from heaven to earth to live the life that we couldn't live by putting our faith in him, repenting, saying, I'm sorry for our sins, calling on his name, asking for forgiveness. We are imputed. That means that it, it's a transfer of righteousness that comes from outside of us. God gives us the righteousness of Jesus. It covers up and removes all sin from our lives through Jesus. But first we have to acknowledge him and repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. If you've never done that today, I wanna to give you an opportunity to do so. Those that are in the room and are watching online, if your heart is not right with God, don't walk out of here unsure of that. We're not guaranteed. We don't know that we're gonna live another day. We don't know. But what we can know right now is that our life is in right standing with God by saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. And if that's you today, you say, I want to make sure today that I know Jesus all over the building. No one looking around online. If that's you, I want you to click the button that's in front of you that says, I'm lifting my hand or type in the chat. I'm raising my hand or I need Jesus so our team can connect with you. But if you're in this, within the sound of my voice and you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, lift your hand right now all over this room, all over this building right now, all over. Come on, hands up all over the building. People online, lift your hands. I see hands going up everywhere. I believe people are lifting their hands online. I believe lives are being changed. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's speak this out loud. Say, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you, Lord. I will never be the same. I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you from, for rising from that grave to give me eternal life. It all begins today. Show me how to live a life of generosity. Show me how to live a life of giving. And I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes the teaching. 
If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.